Well, we are thinking in January about what it's like to grow together as a community in 2024. We've all got our individual goals, and you heard me talk about one of my fitness goals earlier. Um, we've all got our things that we'd like to see happen, but it's nice for us as a church family to say, hey, what do we want in 2024? And it's all about how we're going to grow together to be the family that God's called us to be. And we're thinking about this verse in particular, one of my favourite uh, verses in the Bible, let us consider, let's think really carefully about how to provoke love and good works for one another. So let's think about each other. How are we going to help each other to grow in our awareness of God's love for us, in our, our enjoyment of our love with one another, and what it means to live lives full of good works? So each week we've been thinking about a different way the Bible helps us to... Th- to think about this and how we can help one another. So week one, we thought about fruit, and you can have rotten fruit or you could have really tasty, yummy fruit, and our words are exactly the same. Sometimes our words are excellent for building each other up and to making sure everyone knows that they are loved and can grow in that love, and sometimes our words are just rotten. So let's make sure we choose the right words in 2024. And then last week, we thought about an aeroplane, and who got to make a paper aeroplane last week? Some of the kids had very impressive planes. And just like a plane needs both wings to keep going and to keep level and fly straight, um, there are two different types of words that are really helpful to help us go where God wants us to go, to keep growing, to keep moving ahead. Sometimes we need words of celebration. Keep it up, you're going great, or I really love the way that you did this. Sometimes we need words of challenge that say, hey, maybe there's a different way to approach that. Maybe there's something that you could start doing that you're not yet doing. Or maybe that thing that you did maybe wasn't as uh, much of what God wants for you as just something that happened in the moment that we really ought to leave behind. And so we sometimes need to be challenged, sometimes we need to be celebrated, and when we've got both happening in the right balance, man, we go somewhere. But if we're only ever getting told off for stuff, um, we're just going to spiral down. And if we're only ever getting affirmed, like we never make any mistakes and we're just Mr. Perfect, we're going to spiral down. But if we have both, man, we can really get somewhere. So we want healthy words that are good for us and we want some words of celebration and we want some words of challenge. Now, since we've been thinking about words, today's lesson is not fruit, it's not an aeroplane, it's singing. Who loves singing? Who would prefer if no one ever heard them singing? Okay, doesn't matter. This, this is for everybody. We're going to have a go at something today. We're going to put our words into a song and I'm going to put some words on the screen. Now, we've got the seats in three sections today. This is going to really help us a lesson that the Bible has for us. Um, Some of you who are my age uh, or older might know this song. Some of you who are younger than me might not. If so, you're a legend. Uh, This group over here, your only line is the first one. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you handle that? Let's prove it. Ready? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Brilliant. You guys only get one word. How hard is that? Hallelujah. Easy. You guys, again, you got a full sentence. Praise ye the Lord. Okay? Praise. How hard can it be? So when I point at your group, you just sing that line, all right? As long as I point in the right direction, things should go okay. There's no guarantee that will happen. It was okay in practice, but of course, this is the real life thing. So here we go. On your marks. Awesome. Oh, you guys are amazing. Give each other a big hand. My job here is done. Okay, so 
that song and any other song that you might happen to sing are going to help us to remember our Bible lesson today. Now, kids, uh, if you are in grade two or below, if you would like to head to Carolyn at the back, you get a special worksheet just for you that is going to give you the big point of today's teaching time. But you don't have to listen to me the whole time. You can just get stuck into doing your worksheet. So I've got some colouring in and a puzzle. So if you'd like to go to Carolyn now. For the bigger people, I'm going to ask if our helpers who distributed communion for us earlier could also head to Carolyn. She's got some worksheets for the bigger people that will help us to follow along uh, today's lesson as well. And I reckon from, from grade, th- oh, grade three, it might be a stretch. I'm going to let you judge grade threes, whether you do one of the worksheets for the younger kids or the older kids, because the, the worksheet for the big people is from adults right down through to middle primary school. So it's going to be pretty challenging, but I reckon you can handle it. So everyone should have a, a worksheet for themselves. Now, if you need a pen or a pencil, there's some on the back desk, um, and uh, you can always go and pick one up uh, if you need one. So uh, we are going to, for the, those of us who are a little older, we're going to use a technique known as soap. Um, and I'm not saying that you've failed to have a wash this morning. What I'm saying is SOAP is a good way to look at the Bible and to understand a lesson that God has for us. It stands for Scripture, because we want to start with Scripture. We're going to observe, we're going to look at it carefully and notice some things. Then we're going to apply it to our lives and we're going to pray, because nothing good happens without God's help. So S-O-A-P, we start with Scripture, we observe, okay, and then once we've seen some things that God's put in there for us, then we apply it to our lives and we pray. So we're going to do that with a passage of Scripture together today. And here's the passage, Romans 15, verses 5 to 7. So as those uh, worksheets come around, let me read that for you. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. Now verses 5 and 6 tell us what Paul is asking God to do for us. He's asking God to help us to live in harmony with one another so we'll be able to praise God with one mind and one voice. We will really feel like one family, one body, giving glory to God and doing good to others. That's what Paul is asking our experience of church life will be like. But then, in the last verse, uh, we're told what we can do to help make that happen. Welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. So we're going to look at this scripture together. We're going to look at those two things, what God is being asked to do for us and what we are asked to do for God. And we're going to see what God has to say to us about that together today. So trusting God to help us, let's see what we can observe, what we can see about this text. Now, like all of the Bible, you could spend a really long time because the Bible is so rich in wonderful things that it has to say. So you might notice some things that I'm not going to talk about today, and that's fine. Write them down because they're probably excellent, and God's Holy Spirit has probably brought that to your attention. So feel free to write down things that I'm not going to talk about, but here's some things that I notice in the text. Here's, here's the first one, and it comes from those first couple of verses. It tells us what harmony is. As I think about my church family, uh, you guys, what is it like for me to live in harmony with you? What's it like for you to live in harmony with me? What's it like for you to live in harmony with anyone who God has you doing life with? 
Because knowing what it is that we're asking God for is kind of important. Uh, otherwise, we won't know whether he's giving it to us or not, and we won't know what our part is in order to produce it. So I notice that Paul is asking God to help us live in harmony with each other. So what is that? Is it getting along? Is it always agreeing on stuff? Um, is anyone here um, in a house with a sibling? All right. Is it possible to have harmony and not agree on everything? Uh, well, that's, that's a question we're going to ask. Is it working together without fighting about who's in charge? Hmm. I wonder if there's any clues in the text to help us with that. And as it turns out, there are. Uh, because the rest of the sentence where um, Paul has prayed that God will help us to live in harmony define for us what harmony is. And uh, you might like to follow along in your sheets. First of all, harmony is following Jesus together. Um, some of your translations will literally say, as you follow Jesus together. Um, the NIV says it that way. So harmony is when you've got a group of people who are following Jesus together. Um, you've got that sense of Jesus is in charge, he's the one who, t who has told us what to do, and we're all following Jesus together. And the second thing that Paul mentions is that we would be glorifying God with one mind and one voice. And if you've got any community of people who are following Jesus together and glorifying God with one mind and one voice, there you have a beautiful harmony in that community. Uh, as you read through the letter to the Romans, you discover that these verses where Paul is writing and asking God that he would help them to live like this together, that they would all be able to follow Jesus together and glorify God with one mind and one voice, which is what harmony is, we, we discover that Paul has been talking about that and he started talking about it back in chapter 14. So whenever you're observing things in any part of scripture, one of the really useful things that we do is to look at the letter or the book that that passage is found in. What happens before? What happens afterwards? That's called context. And that tells us some really important things. So if you look at uh, the end of our section, which was verse 7, therefore welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. And then if you zoom back beforehand to go to the very beginning of chapter 14, you hear this, welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. And what I notice as I look at the whole section of the letter is that Paul begins talking about something in verse 14. He's talking about a very specific situation that that group of people are facing. He's helping them to know how to live in harmony with one another in that situation. And then when he gets to the end, he prays for all believers everywhere that we would all be able to live in harmony no matter what is going on for us. So we read the bit right at the very end where Paul is saying very generally, hey, this is what we all ought to be doing so that we we can live in harmony with each other but before he got to that he'd been helping a very specific group of people with some very specific problems now those problems uh, we could read through and uh, think about and they're very very interesting uh, let me just sum it up like this he's been talking to people who don't agree with each other or do the same things as each other and he's talking to them about how they can still welcome each other without getting caught up in those things that they are having disputes about. He's talking to people who have come from many different cultures and different backgrounds. He's talking to people who are wealthy and influential, and he's talking to people who are slaves. 
He's talking to people who are filthy rich and he's talking to people who are dirt poor. He's talking to some people who are very free and confident in their faith. And if they are feeling uh, good about it and they're not feeling like God's convicting them of anything, they'll blaze ahead and do what seems right to them. And then you have other people who want to see very clearly written out, what are the rules that I need to follow here? And is this okay or not okay? I need a rule to tell me. And those two different types of, of ways of doing things don't always mix well together. And it's very interesting that Paul doesn't settle the arguments that they're having with each other. He doesn't say, look, in this situation, you guys are right and you guys are wrong. And I think that's because God knows that human beings, people like me, people like my family, people like my church family, we are always going to find things to argue about, aren't we? I mean, just think about some of the things that we are in dispute about. And there, there seems to be no end of silly things that we find to argue. And those things can sometimes really wreck our relationships. And as God sees that human beings are very prone to get very obsessive about disputable matters, he's not wanting to have to play umpire every single time we don't agree on something. In fact, God has designed it so that our differences are a blessing to one another and he doesn't want us to think the same and, and act the same in all situations. And that's what reading through uh, chapter 14 tells us. God shows us through what Paul writes that harmony is not thinking and acting the same way. That's called uniformity. Who goes to school at the moment? Well, not at the moment. You're here, obviously. But you know, who will be going to school when it goes back? Okay. Who has a school uniform that they have to wear? Yeah, a lot of you. So you know that a uniform is when you have to dress the same. That's what uniformity is all about. Um, harmony is not everybody having to look the same to wear the same stuff or to think the same way or to do the same things or to talk the same way. That's uniformity. And God's not actually interested in uniformity. He's interested in, in our passage, harmony. Lots of different expressions blending together in a really harmonious, cohesive, beautiful, wonderful way. So harmony is not uniformity. And we need to be aware that sometimes we try to take the easy way out. It's so much easier to get along if we just all do the same thing. If we like the same kind of music and we dress the same and we agree on all of the different topics that we might get into arguments about, but if I just hang out with the ones who agree with me, it would be so much easier and we'd have a great community. And the answer from the Bible about that is garbage. You would have a terrible community because at some point you're going to disagree about something and because you're not used to handling those disagreements well, it's just going to go... Right? And you see this happening in the world all around us where some people are getting along for a while and it's like, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, we're the right guys, they're the wrong guys. Man, if the world was like us, it would be so much better place. And then all of a sudden something goes on and they go, oh, but we don't agree on this. And next thing you know, they are worse enemies than they were with the people they were once pointing the fingers at together. Because uniformity is not the answer. Harmony is. Paul doesn't pray for uniformity, he prays for harmony. And harmony is not thinking and acting the same way. So let's keep that in mind. So that's our first observation. Harmony is when we're able to follow Jesus together, glorify God with one mind and one voice, not thinking and acting the same way, but instead embracing our differences and just considering that to be part of our journey together and appreciating each other on that journey. I don't know if you've ever sung in a choir, but when you sing together in all those different harmonies, it's such a fantastic feeling. And you'd hate to have everyone singing your part. You're loving that there's sopranos and there's tenors and there's basses and there's whatever else. I'm not really a, a choir person. But, um, you know, there's all those different voices and you go, man, I wouldn't trade that for anything. But if you've been in a singing group, you know it's also hard work because you've got to learn your part. 
you've got to stop trying to, you know, as the other group is in your ear, you come out, oh, no, no, I'm supposed to be singing this line. It, it can be challenging, but it's beautiful when it happens. And that's what Paul is praying for. And that's what leads us to our next point. The second observation. Harmony takes time and effort to develop, but God always gives us what we need to do what he commands. Okay, so t- harmony does take time to develop, but God always gives us what we need to do what he commands. Now look back at those verses. As I, I look at verse 5, I go, why does Paul remind us that the God who gives endurance and encouragement will give us harmony? Well, if you've been paying attention to what he said in chapter 14, you'll realise it's actually quite hard work. When you don't agree on things, it's not always easy figuring out how to live together. So, for example, in the community at Rome, there were some people who were conscientiously opposed to eating meat, um, not because of the, you know, the animal welfare side of things, but because of the more religious side and where the meat came from and what ceremonies it had been used in. And because they didn't want to be a part of that stuff, um, they didn't want to uh, partake of meat at all. And they felt very strongly about that. Where there's another group was like, well, who cares where the meat came from? God provided it for us. Let's enjoy it as one of his blessings. Um, Let's not get carried away and and all kind of nervous about that stuff. Now, they were in the same church, and and so it's okay. We disagree. That's fine. But then what do you do when you're inviting people around for a meal? Because you've got some people who don't eat meat. Is it better for no one to eat meat? Or should you expect them to be happy just eating what they eat, but some other people who are there are going to eat this? And is is that doable? And they're having to figure out just very simple, practical um, outworkings of the fact that they don't agree on things. Uh, Some of them treat one day as special. Many of them had grown up as Jews. The Sabbath is a very special day. There's lots of rules about what you can and can't do. So if we have a church picnic on the Sabbath, and it's further outside the, the, the town at the beautiful spot on the river than what those people feel comfortable travelling on the Sabbath day because of the rules that they've grown up with. Should we have the picnic in that beautiful spot or should we have it at it's not such a nice spot but at least these guys feel more comfortable about going there? I mean, these are just simple, everyday family decisions that are needing to be made so that they can love one another well and live in harmony. So the fact that we don't agree on everything means that we actually have to think very carefully, just like Hebrews 10 said. I'm going to have to consider one another. What's best to help us as a family live together in harmony, given we have very different um, understandings and different convictions, and those convictions matter to us, and we're not supposed to all agree, we're supposed to learn how to live with one another despite them. And as we learn how to live with one another despite those differences, they become a strength for us instead of a weakness. As we uh, look at verse 7, Um, I'll tell you something about uh, the phrasing there, where it says, therefore, welcome one another. Um, It doesn't mean, hey, get on the roster, be on the front door as people are coming in, welcome them to church. Uh, And it doesn't even mean doing it once or twice. You know, there's a new person, hey, come, you know, come and join this group, we'll have a cuppa together and get to know you. In the the Greek language, that's what's called the uh, present continuous tense. And I'm sure all the primary schoolers know what that is, but for those of us who have been out of school longer, we tend to forget these things. It means you do it now. So let's do it as soon as you hear the command. uh, Welcome one another. Okay, how can I do that right now? Um, God, who do you want me to welcome in? But it's in the continuous sense because I never stop asking myself that question. So um, if I see somebody down the street, how am I going to act in a welcoming way to them there? 
Um, or if I notice that somebody's going home uh, and uh, they, they're not having uh, anyone that they'll be spending time with, maybe I can think about how can I include them in what I'll be doing with my family. Um, or maybe somebody doesn't have a, a Bible study group that they're a part of and would, would maybe be interested. How can I welcome them into our group? Uh, there's all kinds of different ways that we can welcome one another, but the, the phrasing of the command is, welcome one another now and keep doing it. Don't give up, don't get tired. And that's why Paul reminded us right at the very beginning, may God who gives endurance and encouragement. When it's feeling easy because you just naturally click with people and you get along and it's great any time you see them, Welcome, welcome each other in. When there are people whose personality is just great, welcome them in. When there are people who have some opinions about certain things that matter to you and you can't agree and you just oh, can't believe they think that, welcome them in. See, we're asking God to produce harmony and that's God's job. We can't do it. We're just not good enough for that. God can make it happen. But he does give us one job. There's one command in this section. Welcome each other. With no conditions. In fact, what does it say? Welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed you. What does the Bible say about that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our welcome is total, it's complete, it's completely unreliant on us at all. Our welcome is a gift of God's grace and our welcome to each other is meant to be that as well. And we have to figure out how to do that. So those two things that I noticed about the text, um, first of all, what harmony is, it's just following Jesus together, glorifying God together. Um, it's not all being the same, it's being who we are, but being that together. And secondly, that it is going to take time and effort to develop. God always gives us what we need to do what he commands. He's commanded us to welcome each other in, so let's just keep doing that. But when it's hard, don't avoid it. Um, don't, don't just settle for what's easier. Say, God, I know you can give me some endurance and encouragement here. It's been hard work. I don't know if I'm getting anywhere, but will you keep helping me to welcome others in? And if we do that, we will produce a community of harmony. So, for the, for the guys in Rome, hey, you wealthy Christians, it's pretty annoying having to wait for slaves because they're still at work and you want to start your meeting earlier than that. But you know what? Welcome each other in. Treat each other like family. Uh, don't treat some people as first class and others as second class. Treat them as brothers and sisters. And if there's a slave house who is an elder in your church, submit to their authority, um, even though everything within you says, what? I'm not doing what a slave told me to do. No, no, no. Welcome one another as brothers and sisters. Okay, Jewish Christians, um, it would be so much easier if you guys got together on Saturdays and the rest of them got together on Sundays. You wouldn't have to fight about what day to have your meetings anymore. Wouldn't that be great? No, no, no. Keep getting together. Welcome each other. Figure this stuff out. You guys who are happy eating meat, you guys who think it's the worst thing a Christian can do, have meals together. Figure that stuff out. <laughs> um, and for those of you who have really strong faith and who consider yourself to be mature, here's something contrary to what you might think. That doesn't mean that you're more likely to be right and the person who tells others what to do. It means you're the person who's more likely to be able to not get their own way and survive. So let the other guys have their way because if you're mature, you can handle that. You're not so fragile about things. It's an interesting way to approach community, isn't it? So let's scoot to A for our application. What are some ways that we can welcome people as God welcomes us? Maybe it's something like what the Romans had to learn about um, continuing to have community together despite some very practical things that were getting in the way. Maybe it's as simple as, hey, when we're putting together our worship services, hey, have we catered for kids? Have we catered for old people? Have we catered for young people? Have we catered for people from different uh, uh, ethnic backgrounds? You know, have we catered for the whole family or are we just thinking about these kinds of people? Maybe it's as simple as that. 
Maybe it's um, giving thought to who lives around you. Hey, is, is there somebody who's lonely? Is there somebody who couldn't make church this week? And I've, I've got some uh, communion uh, supplies down at the back there. I wonder if you notice somebody who's not here today and you think, yeah, I could welcome them in. I could make sure they feel like a part of the family by taking some communion supplies and tomorrow night or this afternoon, I'm just going to go around and have communion with them. Say, hey, we love you. We missed you. You're so much part of our family. Uh, maybe that's just a simple thing that we can do uh, to make sure every person knows that they're welcome, whether they made it here or not whether they can make it here or not. I think that's a, a really practical way to keep welcoming each other. Second thing maybe to think about is this. Is there a person or a group of people who might not be feeling very welcomed by you? You know, if you have a bit of an attitude toward anyone who's part of our church family and you think you're doing real well at kind of keeping that masked, probably not. <laughs> they probably know. Do you really actually love and welcome everyone? Absolutely everyone. No conditions. See, you've got to get your heart to that point or it will leach out of you. So maybe that's something you want to think about and maybe that phrase, uh, accept one another as Christ accepted you, which is how the NIV puts it. Uh, in this version, the CSB, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. Maybe thinking about that might be useful to you this week. And maybe thinking about those people who most irk you and asking God to do the things that he needs to do in your heart. Maybe that's a great way to spend your week. And is there anyone you feel prompted to make a special effort with this week? And what will you do about that? See, welcoming is a very practical thing. It's not an attitude. I mean, it kind of is, but it really is about loving and, and having a generous spirit and that kind of thing. Welcoming is to actually do something that makes somebody feel welcome. So if you're feeling like this is a good idea for our church, yeah, we really want to have a welcoming church, what are you going to do about it? Um, so for those of us like me, and, and I sometimes point out the fact that I'm an introvert and people say, you are not, you get up and talk to groups of people. That, that, yeah, <laughs> anybody can do that. Um, but I also, in any social situation, I'm looking for the, you know, the quietest place I can be. Uh, where's a notice board that needs reading? You know, that, that's, that's how I roll. Um, so, and sometimes us introverts can say, oh, you know, that's not my ministry, Lord. You know, it's just, that's what other people do. You haven't made me that way. No, no, there are no conditions on that command. Welcome one another. You're not going to do it like an extrovert who's going to bound over and say, Hi, my name's Mike, who are you and where have you come from? You might do it in a much quieter way and it might be exactly what that person needs because God's in charge of that stuff. So whoever you are, whether you're confident or not confident, whether you're feeling like, oh, there's nothing special about me, I, don't, no, I have nothing to offer, garbage, just go welcome people. Our culture says, hey, we find good community by discovering it. Where's a community that has all the things that I need? You know, you know stuff for my kids or uh, music that I like or whatever it might be, the kind of um, teaching that I resonate with. Um, the Bible says, no, no, you make community. You don't find it, you build it. Um, and you do that by being welcoming. And as you welcome in the people who God is adding to your number, all of a sudden you find yourself as part of the family that you always longed for. Better than anything you could ever find. Um, it's something that God builds through his people. Let's pray.